Spirit of God is at work in us and through us and around us. We're living a dream. This is God's dream for us as a congregation is that we would radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. When we're talking about living the dream, which we're going to talk about again this morning, we're not talking about living the American dream. We're not talking about living your dream. We're talking about living the kingdom dream. And we're living that out. And I'm so humbled by that. I'm just absolutely destroyed by that. I mean, in the best possible way. That sounds negative. I'm just, I'm a complete mess when I consider the goodness of the Lord and all that he's doing. What a joy to be in partnership with him. So I just invite you, people of God here at Bethel, to join me in this journey and to join us. We as an elder board, we as a staff, ministry, we are in unity. There is absolute unity, complete unity among your leaders here at Bethel and in Minneapolis as well to keep pressing in and pursuing passionately the presence and the purposes of God. I don't want to do anything else. I am not interested in just having church. It is entirely uninteresting to me. What I am interested in is being the church and encountering him both here and out there 24-7. Oh boy. All right. Y'all okay? Let's take a good deep breath. All right. Thank you, worship team. Awesome. I'm tempted to just have you stay up here, but I think I'll let you rest for a minute. Thank you. Thank you, friends. Well, for those of you that uh, don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Jim Olson. It's been my privilege to serve here as the senior pastor of Bethel for nigh on almost 22 years now. So um, I am so grateful for the joy and privilege of serving you and the Lord here in this congregation. This morning, we are continuing a series which we began last week, and really we're kind of entering into the, into the um, yeah, we're really entering into the meat of the, the series now, starting this week, um, because we're going to be studying together the life of Joseph. And um, this morning, we're going to, uh, I've entitled the message, uh, Birth of a Dream. And so... Um, we're going to be looking here primarily at uh, Genesis chapter 37. So if you have a Bible, I would like to invite you to turn there. Genesis 37. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. Genesis means beginning. And so it is that very first, first book that you'll find. If you've got a Bible right in front of you, maybe you've never held a Bible before. That's all right. You can hold one this morning. And if you just turn to the 37th chapter, there's going to be large chapter heading numbers there, and uh, just find that in that Bible that uh, is in front of you or in the Bible that you brought with you, 
And uh, we're going to be spending a little bit of time in that text this morning. Birth of a dream. But just to kind of open up the context again, uh, as we look at uh, what we discovered last week um, in our opening, uh, kind of opening to this uh, series of messages, um, we looked at Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Um, millions of believers down through many, many centuries have found great encouragement and nourishment, as did the people of God when they heard this coming from the lips of the prophet Jeremiah, who was speaking to a people who at that point were in the midst of uh, some, uh, you know, they, they were in the midst of bondage and uh, they had been dispersed and displaced and uh, distressed and distraught and defeated and discouraged and, you know, every other D word that you can think of, they were, you know, they were, they were done, all right? And in the midst of that comes this word of encouragement out of Jeremiah. Jeremiah the weeping prophet in Jeremiah, uh, you know, he, he's got in the midst of that words that speak comfort to the people of God. And one of those words is from Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So in the scriptures, and if you look in... Um, Actually, if you, uh, you know, if you have a King James version of the Bible in front of you, you'll notice that it says, for I know the thoughts that I have for you. Um, the word actually can be plans, thoughts, or even the word inventions. I know the thoughts, the plans, the inventions that I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Here's what you need to hear this morning. If you've never recognized this or realized this before, listen to me carefully. This is truth. God is thinking about you. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that just in itself, that just absolutely undoes me. God is thinking about me. He's thinking about you and has devised a unique plan for your life. He has devised a creative plan with the intention of you experiencing a positive and fulfilling future. God has a dream for you. I want to come back for a moment to what Elisa shared with us earlier this morning. I mean, this is... This is why the issue of abortion is so significant. Right. God has a dream for these babies' lives. A unique and creative plan to give them a positive and fulfilling future. God's thinking about them. And when we lose those precious ones, we lose something. A gift given into the world. Because he wants to not just transform us, but through us, then transform others around us. Can I get some air for a minute? Thank you. A dream is a high and holy ideal. It's an aspiration towards a particular goal, 
a compelling plan that we want to accomplish, a course which we are passionate about, a call to a particular kind or place of service, a vision of what we want to accomplish in that service. Dreams are not pipe dreams. They're not fantasy. They're not simply daydreams. They're not simply, you know, something that's ephemeral, that's sort of just, you know, I like to be princess of the whatever, you know. It's not pipe dreams. They are high and holy ideals, aspirations that God plants in our lives, that we are uniquely shaped to carry and fulfill. These dreams of God, as we discovered last week, and I encourage you to go to the website and download the message from last week, or you can pick up a CD in the back or sign up for one. I would encourage you to get this so that you really grab this in your spirit. God's dreams are substantial, they're transformative, and they're contagious. God's kingdom dreams are substantial, they're transformative, and they're contagious. Now over the next couple of months, all the way through till Easter, April 8th this year, all through Lent, we're going to be looking together at the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. The Bible tells us that we are given these stories of, you know, that these, that the, the lives of those who we encounter in the scriptures are given to us for the purpose of our instruction, our development, our maturing. These aren't just simply, again, idle stories in a book. These are in the book, and these stories have power in them to bring about transformation in us. And so we're going to be looking at, over the next many weeks, the story of Joseph. And today, we start with the birth of a dream. There's three really parts to Joseph's life, and you can kind of watch this unfold, and you're going to be watching this unfold over the next months and uh, weeks as we, as we walk through this journey together. Part one is discovery. This is from birth to 17 years old. It starts in his, with his birth story in Genesis 30, 24, and runs through the end of the scripture we're going to be looking at this morning, 37, 11. Then there's the development of that dream in him. Uh, from ages 17 to 30 years old, and that is encapsulated in the scriptures from Genesis 37, verse 12, to 41, 45. And then there is the destiny of that dream from age 30 to 110 years old and his, his death from Genesis 41, 46 to Genesis 50, 26. So you're going to just watch this unfold with me together with us as we do this here, both in St. Paul and Minneapolis, as Pastor Sam and I and others bring the word over the next several weeks and, like I said, a couple months, we're going to see that discovery, development, and destiny. This morning, we're specifically going to see the discovery of this dream. 
And we're going to begin the process by seeing the creation, first of all. Before there's a dream, there has to be a dreamer. There's not going to be any dreams if there isn't a dreamer. And so the creation of a dreamer is the first part of this birth of a dream. In your Bible, Genesis chapter 30, 22 to 24, says this. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant, and God gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, May the Lord add to me another son, which, of course, the Lord did with Benjamin. And then that was the time when Rachel passed. You can probably turn off that now. All right. Now that I'm cooled down, everybody else is freezing. All right, good. Now, I don't really have the time this morning to go into all of the background of Joseph's life, but... Every single dreamer, every single person, you know, you're not just born into a void. With the exception of Adam and Eve, every other human being on earth is born into the context of a family. And when you look, and and, and that family, the nurture, both nurture and nature happens within the context of that family. Right? We always say, you know, The acorn doesn't fall far from the tree, right? Okay? Well, there's a reason for that saying because there's a context, okay? My children, for example, sometimes they show a competitive edge. That's their mother, okay? That comes out. It's just remarkable. No, no, no. I cannot lie. Everybody knows. All right. In our household, we call it the divine order. D-A-D. Dad. Even my son-in-laws have been introduced to the divine order. But all of us are born into family. Now, if you want to understand Joseph's family, you've got to go back to his father, Jacob. Jacob, who was born, and what does the name Jacob mean? Deceiver. Okay. Whose name got changed to Israel, which means wrestler, striving, God. Better name came when he wrestled with the angel at his hip touch. But this was a family that was actually comprised of many interrelated families. There was one father, Jacob, who had two wives, Leah and Rachel. Now, you remember the story how Jacob got deceived and ended up with Leah first and then Rachel later, okay? 14 years of servitude to his father-in-law. who were sisters together with their respective children, all right? So, and then there was two other women, Zilpah and Bilhah, who were maidservants 
of the wives who also had children by Jacob. They were kind of the ancient equivalent of surrogate moms. Then you've got a whole large number of grandparents, half-grandparents. You've got quite an extended and blended family. Okay, you think your family's complex? And I know some of your families are complex. There ain't nothing complex compared to this. You want complex. So when you read Genesis 29 to 31 and 34 and 35, here's what you run into. You run into selfishness, conflict, favoritism, jealousy, hatred, revenge, lust, rape, incest, deceit, and even mass murder. This is not Leave it to Beaver. For those of you old enough to remember that. This ain't even The Simpsons. This is a mess. But here's the amazing thing. It's amazing that our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, chooses to love imperfect people like me and you. And he chooses and calls them his friends. He is the God who specializes in taking menageries and mistakes and messes and produces miracles. I love this. I always use this. God is the ultimate recycler. He was green before there was a green movement. God is the ultimate recycler. He takes everything and turns it. You know, we got a big composter in the back with one of those wheelbarrow things, you know. God just takes the wheel and turns it. So maybe you needed to hear this this morning. If you don't hear anything else, listen to this. You may come out of a situation that you feel like nothing good can come out of the mess of my life. But pastor, you don't know my family. I've been pastoring a long time. I've seen a whole lot of families. And I want to affirm and confirm to you today that God can take whatever mess, whatever feels like mistake, or menagerie, or all of that chaos, and he can bring out of that something miraculous and beautiful and lovely. That's what he wants to do for you. character of a dreamer. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks. We're in Genesis 37, so come along, starting in verse 2, all right? Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now I want to look for a moment, and we're going to, we're going to unpack this much more in the weeks ahead, so I'm just going to give you a little taste here this morning, really quickly, on the character of a dreamer. First of all, Joseph was a servant. Now, 
he's out in the fields tending the flocks with his brothers. So, so frequently in scriptures, of course, we're talking about an agrarian society, but many of the great people that God raised up began their life out as shepherds, which was not exactly the most glamorous of positions. But Joseph here is a servant, and we're going to see that even in the context, even when God elevates him later on, there is something, there's a, there's a bedrock in Joseph of servanthood that is a key to leadership. In fact, you know, we talk about servant leadership, and Jesus, of course, being the perfect example of that. He came to not to be served, but to serve. Joseph, again, being a type of Jesus, is a reflection of that. He is also trustworthy, okay? Um, his brothers were not doing the right stuff. So Joseph, you know, sometimes, I think when the story of Joseph is told, we, we tell it as if Joseph is coming in like a tattletale. You know, me, 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 coming, did you know my brothers are, me, 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 you know, that sort of thing. But I think if we look at it, maybe from a different perspective and understand it, I think we're going to see this as Joseph's life unfolds and we see the dream of God in his life unfold. Joseph is simply being trustworthy. God has given him, or I'm sorry, his father has given him a responsibility to care for the flocks. And Joseph is taking that responsibility seriously. And the Bible says when we are faithful in little, he will be faithful to give us more. If we're trustworthy in the small things, then God can entrust us with larger things. So I would say here in talking about Joseph that the character of this dreamer is that he is trustworthy. Joseph is an imagineer. Now, that's a sort of a made-up word, but it's a great word. Love it. Richard Baxter, down, he's a Puritan brought these two words together. He said, God wants people with imagination and God wants people who are engineers. What God wants is imagineers. People who can take the imagination and bring it into the reality of daily lives. And we're going to see this unfold again in Joseph's life. And so I would like to even invite you to, to think about, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of story around Joseph in his multicolored robe. By the way, did you happen to notice? I decided this morning this would be a good time to wear my, my coat from my Corinne friends. I like it. But, you know, of all of the things, if we could just use that coat of Joseph to help us understand, I'd, I'd like that to tap in in our hearts to a certain kind of creativity and imagination and an imagineer, I, I think of that when I think of Joseph. And he's a friend of God. Why do I know that? Well, lots of reasons that we're going to unfold as we go along, but one of them is that it tells us in Scripture, in the book of John, the Gospel of John, it says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Why do I call you a friend? Because a friend knows what his friend is thinking about and is on his heart. 
Joseph knows what's on God's heart. It gets revealed to him in dreams and in other ways. God speaks to Joseph. All right, the conception of a dream. All right, let's go on. You got your Bible, please? 37, 5 to 7. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheep rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, one of the words that I didn't use about Joseph there, he'll learn this along the way in terms of character, was wisdom. Okay? He's a 17-year-old boy. He's got this dream, and if you're a 17-year-old boy, and you've got 11 brothers, brothers in your house, and you just got this revelation... Hey, guys, I got some news for you. All right. But here's the important piece that I want us to get about the conception of a dream. God plants dreams in the lives of his friends. I know because I, you know, I've been around here a long time, so I know some of you really well. And many of you have shared with me over the years, you've given me the honor of of hearing the dreams God's planted in you. God's planted dreams in your life. He plants dreams in his friends. How does he plant his dreams in his friends? Well, by his word, you know, you're going to be reading along and suddenly something just leaps out. He plants his dreams through our lives. You know, he speaks through our lives. If we listen to our lives and what is unfolding in our life, God will speak to us in the context of our lives. He'll also speak to us through his spirit. And we're going to talk about, again, this much more in the weeks and months to come. But I just want you to understand that God will speak to us. One of the things that, and and Pastor Sam pointed this out to me, um, which was, was great, and, and was really, really helpful. I mean, Joseph went and shared this dream with his brothers, and they all got it right away. And they understood that it was a dream, that they, they understood the context that God speaks to people in dreams. In the Bible, God speaks to people in dreams, and nobody goes, huh? Are you sure? What was that? You know? People get it that God can and does speak in dreams. He does speak in dreams. He speaks in visions. He speaks through his voice in our lives. God wants to speak to you and conceive a dream in you. I love Diane Glancy. Some of you know, who was a professor at McAllister and was here many years ago before she moved away, she had a phrase that I loved so much. She would say, your ear is a womb into which God will plant seeds of his truth. Your ear is a womb into which God wants to plant his life. Two more slides, two more things. The content of a dream. All right. Keep going. Got the scripture in front of you? Verses 8 to 10. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? 
Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he'd said. Well, then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Well, when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? <laughs> Here's a piece of instruction that I want to give to you this morning. God's revelation is both specific and progressive. By that, I mean it comes to us frequently at a particular point in time when, we, when we, we receive something from him. But then there's a progressiveness, there's an unfolding of that dream in us. It's kind of like salvation. Are you saved or are you being saved? The answer is yes. We are saved and we are in the process of being saved. We have a dream, and we're in the process of that dream unfolding in our lives. How does this happen? Well, we discover information. We we receive information comes to us. And then we begin to discern from that information some, some interpretation around what that might mean. And then we decide how that gets applied into our lives. Each of those, from inform- now, now listen very carefully. Please listen to this. This is very important to understand about dreams and about the prophetic work of God in our lives. There's information, interpretation, and application. And between all of those three is when we're vulnerable to go off the rails. Because we receive information, but we need to be careful in terms of how we end up interpreting that information. And then once having interpreted that information, how we apply that information into our lives also becomes vitally important. Joseph's going to find that out. As will we. So this is a year to dream, but I want you to understand, I believe, I absolutely am convinced that God is planting dreams in people's lives right here, right now. This year, that this is his, it's his word. I'm not making this up. God's spoken it. I believe it's true. The progression of that and the unfolding of that is going to be an ongoing process. You're going to get information. You're going to have to discern interpretation of that and then decide how you're going to apply that over time. One more thing. The conflict of dreams. Because dreamer, guess what? Dreamers often get killed. <laughs> they do. Dreamers are the ones that get the most pushback. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. His father mused on But this opened up a whole sea of conflict, which we're going to get into next week, among Joseph and his brothers. Listen to this. Dreams are tempered by time and tested through trials. They're tempered by time 
They get shaped by time, and they get tested. They get into the fire through trials. Back when I was in college, I worked at Modern Drop Forge, the factory where my dad spent his adult life. My dad was a die sinker, which is a place where it makes parts. And what they do is, as a die sinker, there's a big, huge steel block into which they make a mold, precision mold, and then that mold goes into the hammer shop, and there's huge hammers that come down, and heated metal is put in, and they stamp out the part. And then there's a, a part of the process called the heat treat process. And that's where I got to spend some of my time one of the summers when I was in college was in the heat treat. And so these parts then go into a furnace and they're heated up to, I don't know, a bazillion degrees. And they come off this, you know, they're on this thing and they're shaking around through this. And then they come out on the other end and you stand there with a long stick and you look and you move the parts and you look and you see because the heat is going to reveal any flaw in the part. Any cracks are going to just light up. And then you pull those parts out. It's a good picture of the tempering of time and the testing of trials. God puts us in the heat treat in order to refine because, what does it say? He sent a man before him, Psalm 105, Joseph sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. Till what he foretold came to pass. Till the word of the Lord proved him true. True has to do with that sense of unalloyed, without any of the alloys in us. God has to burn that stuff out of our lives. That's been going on in my life ever since I came to the Lord a long time ago when as a child. Ever since I've stepped into ministry over the last uh, 28 years of ministry or whatever it is now, God has been tempering and testing those things. Why? Because he wants to refine unrealistic dreams. He wants to restore broken dreams. He wants to help us realize delayed dreams and redesign shattered dreams. Worship team, come back on up, if you would. I'm going to have you go ahead and sing that song, The Holy, You Are So Holy. The song you have for the first, that'd be great. My sense this morning as I've been praying into this day, this week, and all of that, is that the Lord, once again, like I shared earlier, wants to break some glass in our hearts. This has been more of a teaching than something sort of, last week was pretty motivational and kind of, you know, exhortational. But in the context here of the word and stepping out into, I really believe that God wants to birth some dreams in people's lives. And I want you to understand, parents, this is not just for you, it's for your kids too. So just like last week, I'm going to invite you to go get your kids and bring them back in, and we're going to just pray. And Pastor Ben's going to assist. He'll be on this side, and I'll be on this side. And we're just going to start praying, and we're going to trust for God to just begin to pour in and pour out and pour over folks, pour his life in. Because that's what he wants to do. Hallelujah.
Jonathan and Kevin. I'm going to have you assist Pastor Ben over here. Nico, I'm going to have you give me a hand over here if you would. Jesus. Right now, I just feel like the Lord is just hovering over. Some things he just wants to start birthing. Can we just open our hands right now? Surrender and submission to the Lord. Jesus. Lord, I just keep having that picture of you brooding over the waters like you did at the beginning of Genesis, Lord where you want to bring forth, Lord, dreams and life. You want to bring creation. Jesus. Lord wants to plant a dream today in you. Maybe he's in the process of still refining, restoring, realizing, redesigning. He's here now to bring life to you. Perhaps you received prayer last week. It's okay, you can come again. But I'm going to ask if you did not receive prayer last week and you would like to receive prayer this morning, in a moment I'm going to ask you to be the first to come. I want to give you opportunity to receive from the Lord this morning. We're going to anoint you with oil and we're going to trust and believe. This is not about us. This is about the Lord doing His work in us. As pastors of this congregation, we have the privilege of serving as under-shepherds. We're standing in our office as pastors. We love you, we're here to pray with you, and we're here to distrust God with you. We have people assisting us just so that it's safe and well here for you as you come, and it will be, just physically as well as just spiritually. If you're in the congregation, I'm going to ask you to just extend your hand, and we're going to, we're going to believe for those that are coming. We're going to just be praying for those that are here. We're going to keep, a, we're going to keep the doors. If you've got kids, you're going to go get them. And you can bring them back in. And we're going to, last week we were praying for whole families. God was just pouring out on our children and on whole families. I believe that's his heart. I have a real sense that God wants to touch families and particularly touch children. So if you got kids and you want them just to be touched, you just bring them in. And you can kind of explain to them if they're not sure what's happening. It's okay. We'll just be very gentle, very careful. God just wants to pour out today. Jesus, we want to receive your dreams, Lord. Lord, there's people today that the only thing that they're thinking about is a football game today. That's the only dream they've got. Jesus, there's nothing wrong with that football game. Nothing wrong with having fun and the entertainment of all of that and the, the fun of a national event happening. But 
But God, you got something that's a lot more substantive and larger than that. You got kingdom dreams that you want to release in people's lives. So God, I want to ask today that you would do that right now, begin to conceive dreams in people's lives right now in Jesus' name. Conceive and release, Lord, dreams now. Plant them in Jesus' name in hearts. Open, open, open eyes and ears. Open spirits to receive in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we stand to our feet? And if you want to come, the worship team is going to sing. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing right now, but then we're going to open it up. Jesus, I pray that you would touch your people now, that you would fill them with your love. Fill them, Lord, with your mercy. Fill them with your hope and grace, God. Fill them. May your favor be a banner over them, Lord God. And may your blessing rest now in Jesus' name. And I pray the fullness of all that you have intended will come to pass in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I bless you, people of God, in the name of the Lord. Amen.